Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back to Truck Up Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen. I'm here with Justin Super Trucker Martin. And before we get started today, I want to thank OTR Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. They're factoring programs and solutions to take sporting truck companies to a whole new level. I can do a whole podcast on everything these guys bring to the table and the success stories that come from working with them. But for now, head on over to otrsolutions.com slash btu to learn more and connect with their dedicated BTU team. Justin, how are we doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, we're bracing for a little bit of rain from uh, a tropical storm. I guess that was hurricane again, um, uh, but probably won't be here till this weekend. So how are you guys doing down in Georgia? I uh, actually, you know, I've worked uh, all week trying to get everything ready for a hurricane to come through. And now we don't even we don't even get a raindrop, you know, you know <laughs> thoughts and prayers out to the people in Florida that got hit. But, you know, it, it, where where's my hurricane at, man? <laughs> <laughs> that was always the case when I lived, I was in Florida for 16 years and that was, that happened to us every single time. They, it was when, you know, everything was overblown, overhyped, you know, we get nothing. And then, you know, the real storms would just catch you by surprise every single time. Yeah. Well, today to continue our, uh, series in the cargo thefts, we have a special guest here today. We have Keith from CargoNet. Uh, Keith, welcome to the show and, uh, please introduce yourself. Well, thanks, James. Thanks, Justin. Thank you for having me. Keith Lewis, CargoNet. I'm the Vice President of Operations for CargoNet. Uh, I have a law enforcement background prior to joining CargoNet. I was a task force agent with the Georgia Bureau Investigation down in Georgia and worked cargo theft uh, primarily most of my law enforcement career. And I joined CargoNet in 2011, and I, uh, I run the operations center for them. CargoNet, for those who don't know, is a service that basically uh, helps mon- monitor of cargo thefts, put out information. When I was a Landstar uh, business capacity owner, we would get updates from CargoNet t- one, uh, once a month, twice a month, sometimes even once a week, you know, according to how uh, rough the cargo theft was going. Also, when we would go to certain areas, they would like send us a briefing of that area uh, produced by CargoNet. Uh, Keith, how has uh, the cargo theft trending been going here lately? I know we've seen some stories come out of Memphis and also out in the Great Plains with beef thefts. Sure. Well, things are trending up, which is, it's you know, it's, people like to say, well, for me, that's good for my business, but it really isn't because it does have an impact mm-hmm. on the economy and the overall uh, flow of goods in the United States, the supply chain. So uh, things are trending up. Uh, we, you know, we saw record numbers in 2020 when we shut the, shut the, uh, shut things down for the uh, pandemic and, uh, Things kind of normalized. If you like to, if you will use that word normalized with theft, got back to some some pre-pandemic levels. And this year we're seeing a trend up. We uh, we're starting to see, and I said it when it first started, I said, I didn't see the trend yet. After we had the first three beef thefts in Nebraska, I was asked by a reporter, is it, do you see this as a trend? Well, it's not a trend yet. It was just the first three thefts. And now what we're seeing is we're seeing a trend of, uh, of thefts up in the Grand Island um, area up there and uh, York, Nebraska. Uh, Memphis, we just had a huge pilferage of, uh, of shoes, sportswear shoes. I don't want to mention the brand, but it's in the millions. Uh, the dollars are up in the millions right now as far as losses. 14 trailers broken into, another five totally emptied out, 40-plus uh, suspects, a U-Haul, involved and numerous arrests have been made and this memphis police and the cargo theft task force shelby county up there fbi did a fantastic job of uh of catching these guys they did it all at the same time they were working an active shooter so uh uh, up in Mm -hmm. memphis so uh great great job up there to the law enforcement uh folks up there i can't imagine it would have been too difficult catching these guys because i believe these shoes hadn't made it to market yet so these were stolen even before they made it to the retail shelves and then eventually onto the secondary market. Is that correct? That is correct. And I would not have mentioned that unless you brought it up, but. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. We, 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 we've, covered, we've covered this story before. We, we know yeah. who it is. <laughs> yeah. So some of the things, some of the things I know, uh, if you ask and I know you already know, I'll talk about it a little But Yeah. They were new to market, probably going to be released before the holidays. And we see that a lot uh, this time of year. Is when you know the new products are hitting the stores. They want to get that that product out for the Christmas rush. So you're going to see that with with new gaming. You'll see that with the the latest on the gaming supplies. You know chips. You know the parts for the games, the hard drives. We're seeing a, a big uptick in um, 
and, and hard drives being stolen. Uh, we just had one here, a big one in Arizona. So you'll see that this time of year. Uh, also at this time of year, you've got a lot of different things kicking off. Obviously the Christmas rush, the electronics, the, all mm. new things being released. And you've got the start of the NFL, the SEC champ, you know, you know, football. You've got a lot yeah, of things going on. Yeah. Yes. And all the apparel, you know, and go dogs. I got to say that. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> We're going to beat up on Florida this year. I don't worry too much about Florida. I'm worried about those guys to the west of us over in Alabama. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't like to talk about that game. <laughs> oh, God. So I know, you know, these things obviously follow like a seasonal trend, you know, yes, Christmas coming around and, um, you know, everybody wants the new hot items, but we're also seeing, um, you know, with the, with the meat thefts, you know, the price of meat, you go to the grocery store, you just see how expensive these items are now. So of course they're going to be, you know, hot targets for, um, for thieves. Do these things typically trend upwards when the economy is like on the decline or does it also go up when, you know, times are good as well? It's, you know, I'm not an economist, so it's hard to, it's hard to speculate when, mm-hmm. When we, when we start sliding, when we were we were coming out of the, the housing crunch, uh, 2007, 2008, you know, uh, electronic thefts were going crazy. Cargo theft was up. We were seeing, you know, taking we were taking in 13, 1400 thefts a year. And now, the you know, the last couple of years, the economy has been moving pretty good. Right now, it's starting to chug. Um, but, you know, the cost of goods is going up. So that it's it's twofold, right? Number one, if the cost of goods are going up, it's cheaper for me to buy it from the bad guy, mm-hmm. um, and and the uh, the demand is going up, and it looks worse when you put it on a graph. Is like I'm sitting here looking at some stats of the increase in cost of cargo over the last couple of years. The price of goods go up, uh, you know, exponentially with 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 the inflation and it makes it look a lot worse than it is because the price has gone up. So the goods are worth a lot more uh, when in fact it is a mild increase in cargo theft. We're seeing an increase, but we're seeing more of an increase in the value of the goods being stolen. And it, it's across the board. It's going from just generic, you know, uh, staple items that you need for your house, salt, pepper, paper supplies. Those things have gone up to beef, you know, uh, beef, uh, I think it's probably gone up 20%. And you're already talking about a commodity, you know, if you're dealing with stakes and, and the high end stuff, you're already dealing with an expensive commodity and a 20% increase, you know, uh, you know, 10 bucks is now 12 bucks and, and you're feeding the family. It's, it isn't, is it, along with everything else, it's, it's just biting you in the pocketbook. Yeah. I was living in Florida, South Florida during the, around the 07, 08 crash. And it just seemed like when people stopped paying off their mortgages and were walking away, any house that sat, sat empty for more than five days was just immediately stripped of every single piece of copper that was in that house. Yeah, true. Or, or we saw people just homesteading, just moving in and um, yeah. setting up shop. It was, it was, it was, I was in law enforcement then. It was tough. We were, we were having a lot of, a lot of issues. So I, w- I was really surprised. So but with, these, uh, with these trailers uh, full of meat that were stolen, I'm surprised they didn't have like a more itemized list of everything that was in the trailer because some of the numbers that these companies were throwing out you know, they were ranging in the hunt between like a hundred thousand to, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. They said, depending on the cut of meat that was in the trailer. Um, so do these thieves typically know like what they're targeting before they, they strike like a big operation like this? So it's a yes and no. It depends on the, it depends on the sophistication of the thief. So if you get, <clears throat> if you, if you steal a trailer, that's got some low end, like high bone, you know, hamburger beef, you know, the lower end stuff, you're going to probably be dealing with the 100 plus 120, 130. And then if you're, you've got the higher end, you're probably 235, 250 for a load. So a lot of times what we'll see is a mixed load like that stolen and the shipper knows what's on the load. They may not just be releasing it or they're releasing it only to law enforcement. That stuff's tracked through the USDA. And I would imagine the USDA's office of inspector general is involved in these thefts now too out there. Uh, this is not new for this area. We saw this trend back in 2013, 2014 with these type of thefts, straight up thefts. We saw a lot of these straight up thefts like we've seen out in Grand Island and uh, York. And we've also saw the fraudulent pickups as one of my, co- my, one of my uh, 
my my partners in this with one of our insurance members, Scott Cornell calls them strategic pickups. The industry will call them fictitious pickups. So we saw a few of those earlier this week, and um, <clears throat> and it's just a different mode of of a way to steal it. It's carrier identity theft versus breaking into a facility and stealing a trailer, and then the bad guy having to take the trailer a few blocks or a few miles away, unload the trailer, cross dock it, and um, and then um, and then move it to another location. Um, these groups <clears throat> these groups are very organized, and and I hate to say organized. Organized to me and you is means something else to them. What I mean by the, their level of sophistication is um, <clears throat> is a little more than just say your your uh, your typical burglar, where they're actually using phones and uh, <clears throat> uh, you know prepaid phones and uh, and looking for GPS units. Is in some of these cases the GPS units were disabled in the trailers. Yeah. So these aren't like organized in the sense of like a, a giant hierarchy. These are just really you know sophisticated criminals that that are using technology to their advantage. Yeah, they're using well yeah, they do use technology, you know, as far as the internet and I know both of y'all are familiar with load boards. <clears throat> yeah. So they're using that, you know, as a tool. It's another tool on the tool belt whether it's a load board or a pry bar. To me it's a tool in the commission of a crime. Mm-hmm. And then they're also they're also wise to most of the new refrigerated trailers or well, probably all of them uh, for the last 10 years or so have GPS capabilities because they're reporting the temperature. And if it's got mm-hmm. GPS temperature, it's got location, right? You can track the location, whether the reunits, the reefer units running or not. So they know, they know what they've got to do. And they know that there's like in the old days, they used to go to the front left corner of the trailer because that's where the solar powered GPS unit would be. Yeah. And they would yep. immediately disable it. And you guys, that box mile away. right, James, and you remember that from your, your, your days with Landstar. Oh yeah. They, uh, there's been several times I'd go with not, not necessarily Landstar, but other carriers I've worked for as well. You'd go up, you see that box either broken off with a crowbar or just a couple of holes drilled in it where they know exactly where the battery pack is. They drill through the battery pack, short it out. And, uh, you know, something weird had been going on with that trailer. You have to go and report it, you know? Right. And speaking of these carriers, the ones we're talking about today, these are best in class carriers. We're not talking about, uh, you know, rogue carriers. You know, we mentioned Landstar. That's a best in class carrier there. You know, the, the, the enforcer locks or warlock locks, whatever they're using now and glad hand locks and air cuff locks. I mean, you know, they, they do everything they can do, but if somebody really wants something, if I really want to go steal my neighbor's lawnmower, I'm going to get it sooner or later. I'm yeah. going to get it. It's like dealing with a, it's like dealing with my border colleague. They're, I'm going to play their game whether I want to or not. Yeah, there's a really good YouTube channel out there called Lock Picking Lawyer. Are you familiar with him? I am not. I just can't wait to look that up. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's crazy because oh. you know, you're you're mentioning all these all these like you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, expensive locks that these companies use and sell, and you know. Just he's a good guy. He really he's, is. He's an actual um, lawyer, but he's got he's, a channel where he, yeah, he's a, he's a lawyer, and he's just showing these companies that their locks are completely useless. There is not a lock out there that he cannot get into in like under ten seconds, you know. And they'll send great. him like the, they'll 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 create a lock to try and trick him, and he's like hmm, done. And he shows you exactly step by step how to how to do it. So awesome. good guys and ba- good guys and bad guys can watch his channel. And, and realize just how vulnerable this stuff is. So he's he gives like tips and advice on like how to secure your stuff um, versus like buying a, a really fancy expensive lock. You know, sometimes the best deterrent is is the one that doesn't cost you any money. It's mm-hmm. don't leave the trailer unattended. Yeah. Uh, know know where your bad areas are. The data that we provide as a company tells you where they tells you the bad areas. And I know James working for where you used to work, they would tell you, don't leave the vehicle unattended. You know, you know, your, you know, you have to know your threats. You have to know who your threats are. Sometimes your best, your best prevent is back the trailer up to a brick wall. Where they that's, can't get back the trailer. <laughs> that's one I, I harp on all the time. We, we were just talking to a previous guest yesterday about, um, you know, I used to work at Schneider national and their operating center in Dallas, Texas used to get broken into all the time. There was a, I think it was General Mills. It was a, it was a cereal company uh, warehouse nearby, and people in the adjoining neighborhood would co- go over the chain link fence every night and pilfer the trailers. And they have a brand new operating center now, further southeast of the city, uh, near the airports. 
And I was just, you know, for shits and giggles, I'm on Google Maps looking at this thing. And it's still, it's just a chain link fence around this thing. It goes down like a bit of a ditch and it's got a chain link fence with some razor wire on it. But, you know, you don't have to go over the wire. Just go, just go through it. Um, and just park the trailer, build a, a concrete wall. You know, it's doesn't have to be super high or very, um, you know, deep, so to speak. Just park your trailer up against the wall and then nobody can get to the trailer. You know, it's not very, it's not very attractive. One of the, one of the tips I used to give companies for high value loads is uh, buy used container trailers and stack a wall, make a fence out of them, stack them sideways. You know, you know, it's not very attractive, but you know, it's a lot of it. A lot of this, what we're talking about is you're limited by the city ordinance or county ordinances, what they'll do with electric fence and fence height and these things. So I feel bad for these companies. You know, they, they're everybody you've mentioned here on this call today are best in class, Schneider Landstar. Yeah. They're, they're great companies yeah. and they do great things. All of the, all of these big companies are, are really working hard to prevent this. Uh, to speak about local ordinances, I'm, I'm not going to mention the carrier, but they had a great wall around their facility, you know, soundproof wall because of local ordinances. The problem is, there's fire doors in that wall and they, the comp, the, the carrier can't lock that door. Mm. It has to be, has to have, it, they can lock it, but it has to have like a, one of those universal fire keys that all the firefighters have. Well, you can go and buy that off of eBay or, you know, just Google it and get that key. And I mean, it's goes about, about as secure as a screen door, you know? Yeah, I understand. It's uh Bad guy want like I said, if the bad guy wants it, they're gonna they're gonna figure out a way. Yeah. So that, after I left Schneider hauling General Freight, I, I went into hauling munitions for Department of Defense, and the carrier that we went through it was a smaller company, um, but we didn't store anything on the lots. You know that anything that was going somewhere, it always went straight to the the bases or whatever facility it was going to. But typically, the way that they guard that stuff is they're just you know hundreds of miles away from anything, so. If someone's coming towards that facility trying to pilfer anything, they're going to see it because you're not supposed to be there. Sure. Uh, we're seeing more and more escort loads now, too, uh, where they're hiring uh, retired or off-duty police officers to follow the uh, high-value loads around. That's interesting because we – I'm sure there are loads that need to be escorted, but we did not use escorts at all. And, I mean, I, I can't tell you what we were carrying, but there was some stuff where I was like, eh, we probably should have – a somebody following us or maybe we were and they just never told us, but it would tell you on the bill of lading whether or not, you know, it would say drivers are unarmed, no escort, blah, blah, blah. Um, couldn't quite tell you exactly what it, what it was on the bill of lading, but it would tell you like if it was dry goods or parts or, you know, category of explosives, 1.1, 1.4, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's nice to know that more, um, more loads are being escorted now. Cause like I said, when I was there, man, there were times where you're just like, Anybody could just snatch this up if they wanted, but their their best way of deterring everything was just never stop. You know, it was always a team team operation, so the trucks never stopped. If we need if we needed to stop because of weather or whatever, we would call um, we called it DITS DTTS our, our satellite trackers, and we would just tell them, hey, we're with truck company XYZ. Here's a trailer. Here's where we're at. Storm coming, and it was never like, oh no, you need to keep moving because XYZ. It was always just okay, cool, be safe. They never pressured us to keep moving at all that's why i i much prefer hauling explosives than, than groceries because with the groceries they're like oh no this, this town really needs their cereal it's like well, well okay they'll get it they'll get it there when they get it there <laughs> sure. uh to go over to technology you know the aspect of all this it doesn't have to re- be real high tech i mean it, it's, it's not like rare electronics people are using now to track these loads i mean uh, look at the app. The, the scourge of everything now is the Apple. The Apple Air Tag. I mean, you take this device. Mm-hmm. It's the size of a quarter. You, you stick it on anything, and you could track it anywhere as long as it's got you know an available Wi-Fi signal. Uh, I mean, you really don't have to be that sophisticated to run a criminal network nowadays. Uh, am I correct here, Keith? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, <clears throat> you know, the difference in say an Air Tag, you can go on uh, Amazon. You can buy four of them for a hundred bucks. And if you buy more than four, you can get them for less. So <laughs> whatever it is, it's uh, it's uh, cellular or, or compare that to, you know, the, the kind of a, I wouldn't say best in class, but one of your better GPS units, it's about 200 bucks and about 200 bucks a year to monitor. So, so the, the thing about 
telematics GPS units is the reverse logistics on it. So if you think about the idea that you just had of the AirTag, it's again, it's the size of a quarter and it 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 doesn't have to have a Wi-Fi signal. It just, you know, if somebody's close to it with a with a phone or it picks up a lot of different things. And it, at least it gives you a it gives you a starting point and a stopping point of where to at least kind of begin the search. It's very it's concealable. They make all kinds of different. Actually, they make even a a, a a mount that you can stick it in. It has a peel off back now that you can stick it on something. So, so you look at that. You don't have to worry about the reverse logistics on getting your four hundred dollar tracking unit back now. You can just delete it off your iPhone. <clears throat> but you have to have an iPhone to work it, but they have other products too, Tile, and there's other ones out there. But, you know, the cost of this tracking is so so low now that it surprises me that others don't say, well, I've got the GPS unit on the truck and the trailer. How about a backup? How about I spend 25 bucks on one of these disposable ones? If I get it back, I get it back. And what I used to tell people is put it in an envelope prepaid and when they unload the trailer, they can drop it in the mail for you. And you can you can write something in the envelope similar to, you know, it doesn't have to say GPS unit inside. It could say packing slip or, uh, or whatever, right? So there's a lot of different ways. There's there's more than one way to skin the cat. And there's a lot of different ways here to protect your freight with, with GPS and and data. You've you've you know it's a it's a it's a multi-step process because there's no silver bullet for cargo theft prevention. The data is not going to prevent it. The GPS, the telematics isn't going to prevent it. The locks aren't going to prevent it. But if you take in all these different things we're talking about today, data, telematics, best in class locks, driver training, and rudimentary things about where to park, where not to park, what to back the trailer up to, who to talk to at the truck stop, who not to talk to, what to say on the CB radio, all the little things. And if you look at the spoke on the wheel, right? So you got a little lot of things coming off the, the hub here. And if you can you can click on, you know, probably 50% of all those little things that you need to do right, you're going to be able to prevent that cargo theft. Again, there's no there's no silver bullet here. There's no silver bullet for prevention or recovery after the theft. Yeah, and it's funny you were talking about the air tags. Uh, the flip side of that is even the bad guys can use those too. You know, there's absolutely no reason why they can't just put it in a magnet mount, stick it on the back of your ICC bumper, and they don't even need to follow you. Now they can track you on their phones and see where you're going. Well, since you brought that up, um, I'll tell you a story. I worked a, uh, a copper crew that was stealing copper, and this is back in the days of uh, before they had that. They would uh, follow the truck out of the copper plant, four or five red lights, and then a truck stop to stop at for fuel on the way out. And they had a GPS unit in a Pelican box with a magnet on it. And they'd follow the truck and get behind it, jump out of the car at the red light, go up and stick that on the ICC bumper, and then just track the truck uh, by their phone. So they weren't going through the, you know, any, any cameras or if the driver went in a truck stop, they didn't have to go in the truck stop and follow the driver around and see where he was in the parking lot or whatever. They had pinpoint accuracy. So those are your higher level crews that are going to actually spend some money and they're going to buy a couple, couple of vans and they're going to spend money on hotels and they're going to do those type of things. And that's what we saw with this um, million dollar theft that we just had here in Arizona. So, you know, you're going to see those type of things uh, with the high level sophisticated crews and the lower level what my old boss at the, at the bureau used to call loose knit crews or just, uh, going from truck stop to truck stop, maybe with a U-Haul, a pickup truck, a minivan, whatever, and just breaking into some trailers and getting what they can get and leaving. But your more sophisticated crews are going to target thefts. They're going to target trailers. They're going to start target commodities. And they're going to target what's selling. They're not going to mm-hmm. target something that they can't sell because it's not going to do them any good. And they're going to want to not steal 10 million of the same thing because now they're going to flood the market with it. It's going to yep. be easier for them to get caught. And it's going to drive the price down on the stuff they're trying to sell if they flood the market with it. So they like to have an eclectic mix of things to steal and things to sell. So, for example, if I'm operating that mom and pop kind of store on the side of the road, I can go to them and I can say I've got 20 of these, 30 of those. And the the person that runs that store may buy all of them because they know they can put 10 of these on the shelf, five of those on the shelf, and they're going to move them pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. My my worry is that the barrier to entry into going from, like you said, loose knit crew to sophisticated crew, that barrier to entry is just going, it's, it's, it's lowering further and further because 
you know, you mentioned that uh, that crew that had the nice GPS tracker in the Pelican case. That thing probably cost them thousands of dollars, I guess, back in the day. And now you can get an AirTag for 50 bucks. You can go to PetSmart and buy one for your dog and use that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only Now, I will give Apple credit. One thing they do very carefully is that, say you have an AirTag on you that's not yours, your phone will alert you saying, hey, you have an AirTag that's following you around, and you can you can find it that way. I don't know what the range is on that, though. So if you're in a combined tractor trailer that's 70 feet long and that thing's on the, on the bumper, I don't know if your phone's going to be close enough to realize it's being tracked. I hope that's the case. Um, so you know, maybe, maybe that's not a really good option for criminals at this point. Yeah, I, I, that I don't know. Well, we were looking at uh, researching that uh, beef theft. Uh, one of the things I found on the about it, you know, they may have used uh, falsified paperwork. Uh, how often are we seeing people still using fake BOLs, fake information? You know, going up to the guard check and you know having incorrect BOL numbers, pickup numbers, and you know still being let in and still you know, actually being able to uh, complete the heist. Well, I'm not, I haven't gotten so granular in those thefts. Are you talking about the fraudulent pickups? Is that what you're talking about? The fictitious pickups? Yeah, fictitious Were pickups, they, fictitious they paperwork. The okay. All right. So there's no, if it's a fictitious pickup, they're not using fictitious paperwork at the guard shack because they've picked up the load. So if they're using, if it's a fictitious pickup, the fraud is, is committed when they book the load and sign the, um, <clears throat> Sign the the rate, uh, the, you know, the rate agreement, the uh, rate con, uh, rate con, yeah. So that's there's your fraud right there. So then they get the pickup number. That's where they're getting the information from, right there. We give them the information. It's like identity theft. What's going around with with senior citizens right now? People are calling them up yeah. and tr- tricking them. They're giving them. They're voluntarily giving them their bank account information. So they don't have to go to the bank and rob the bank. They just log in and rob it. By, by withdrawing money. So it's the same kind of principle. We're, we're trusting, you know, the internet. We're so trusting about everything now. We, we give them the pickup information and we're not talking to a live person. You know, we're, we're doing all this virtually. And uh, it's like, I always call it uh, load boards is like internet dating. You don't know who's on the other <laughs> side, right? It's the French model. Is it the French model? So um, you just don't know and everything looks good. And they give you the, the email address. It's, it's uh, whatever Swift Transportations at whatever at Gmail, and well, you just you know we're we're looking you know it's like me when I read emails from people I that work, I work with I read the I read the topic line and if it doesn't interest me I don't read anything else right so uh, I read uh, I read uh, you know Swift whatever and I go oh it's Swift that we're good to go because I've got twenty other mo- loads I've got to move you know we're we're our vetting drops, your vetting is going to drop when you're moving loads at the speed of light. So you look at some of your big carriers that are moving, you know, uh, tens of millions of loads a year. Uh, one of them, one of my customers, for example, moves about three to 4 billion loads a year and generates off of that probably uh, 10 to $12 billion of revenue. So, <clears throat> so how, fa- how much vetting can you do? You know, you can, you do the best you can and, you know, things are going to fall between the cracks and thefts are going to occur. And some people, I hate to say it, may look at some of this as a cost of doing business. But when it stings them, you know, they're under the pressure from the shipper. I'm sure these shippers out here, um, I'm sure, you know, JBS, you know, all these people out here uh, are, are really, really upset about this. Uh, and they're putting a lot of pressure now uh, on these um, on these uh, on these uh, carriers that they've trusted to uh, move their freight. But you go back to the old days of regulation. When I started in this industry, my dad owned a trucking company, by the way, I, I didn't mention that earlier. So I grew up in this industry. So you go back to the days of regulation when there was no, there was no load boards. Everything was called back in my day. I'll date myself here. It's called a trip lease uh, with where you had to go to the carrier's terminal and you had to sign a trip. The driver had to sign the trip lease and they'd give them, I know you guys have never heard of this. They'd give them a bingo card. You may see these on like uh, at the Antique Truck Historical Society's uh, website or something like that. But uh, basically, it was had stamps on it permitting you to drive through certain states uh, and what mm. type of commodities to haul. All these things were face-to-face, hand-to-hand transactions. 
Now the vetting process is out the window. You know, we're moving, we're moving at the speed of light. So these things are going to happen. I hate to say it, but a lot of folks look at this as a cost of doing business. Um, I had one uh, broker tell me that I'd rather take a chance on a new carrier than call that shipper on a Friday afternoon and say, I can't haul your goods. I'd rather take a chance on moving it down the road and then reporting a theft to my reporting a theft to my insurance company because I don't want to go back to my shipper, my customer, and say I can't move your load because then they won't call me and give me those loads again on Friday afternoon. I mean yeah, that's that, that's that's a true story. I mean, you guys know that happens. Um, yeah. And the the most uh, you know the most qualified person to haul that load is the next phone call I'm going to get. All the carriers and brokers, they're so afraid of uh, getting uh, freight guarded, you know, getting that, uh, you know, that black mark on their record. To, you know, sometimes, you know, they will do st- foolish, illegal stuff, you know, to get a, uh, get a load hauled. I'm glad you said that and I didn't have to say it. <laughs> well, we... <laughs> I, wouldn't say I, wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're doing illegal stuff because double brokering, triple brokering, and that's probably what you're talking about is not illegal. Um, I would say, I would say, uh, we've lost our moral compass here with some of this. Um, and, um, we're chasing the almighty dollar. And sometimes when you're doing that, you're joining the chase to the bottom. Well, and it takes, there's no overhead whatsoever with a lot of these things. You're basically just doing this on over the phone or via email and you're just skimming off the top. So why wouldn't they? And if you get caught, if you get caught, oh, well, you shut that down, start up a new company with a new name and you keep doing what you're doing. That's a, it's an easy entry now into this industry. If you haven't gone to otrsolutions.com slash BTU yet, here's your reminder. Not sure how to say it, but factoring these guys just makes sense. They're focused on driving your success and helping you grow your company. They've gone as far as offering custom business email address setups so you can negotiate better rates with brokers. There's just so much opportunity out there, and OTR is your ticket to success. So head on over to otrsolutions.com slash BTU and check out their solutions. Yeah, in the so like with with the email stuff, especially it takes no effort at all with some of these guys. As far I think they call it the spear hooking or spear fishing. So there's there's catfishing when you're pre- pretending to be someone else, and then there's spear hooking or whale hunting. I guess it's when you're you you say you're working at a company, you receive a fraudulent email, but the email is disguised in a way to make it look legit. Um, I was a supervisor at the postal service for a little while and we, we would get emails all the time and they'd say like, Oh, this is outside the organization. Do not click on this whatsoever. But you know, some people just operate on autopilot and they click on it. And next thing you know, (laughs) their computer doesn't work anymore. That stuff happens all the time in these, in these companies, I have to imagine. Yes, it does. Um, Other, other than really trying to like, sit somebody down and, and show them step-by-step step how this stuff happens. What are some of the best ways that these companies can like mitigate those kind of risks That's, other than just saying, Oh, well, you know, it's cost of doing business. Well, you've got to know what the threat is and you've got to know where the threat's coming at you. So you've got, uh, you know, you could use some of our products, uh, uh, you know, rod score, um, alert search and some of the other products we have to, to run these through and know, if this person is a bad actor or maybe not a bad actor, but know that if they've committed something before our system is intuitive, if you've only got a DOT number, or you've got partial DOT number or a partial phone number, it's, it's intuitive. It'll pick it up and figure it out. You've got to know what the threat is and where it's coming from before you can, you can stop it. Correct. Because yeah, if you don't funny. It, as, as, as we're talking about this, I'm getting a call on my phone that says scam likely. So I think they're listening in on us. Yeah, probably. So if I were just some some law enforcement advice here, I wouldn't answer that. So block them all. Don't answer it and give them your mother's maiden name and all that. So, um, so um, you've got to know where the risk is, right? That's the first thing you've got to know. Route score risk. uh, You know, uh, we have a, we have a truck stop uh, advisory of where the bad truck stops are. Those are, that's kind of the data. That's, that's what we, uh, push out to our members and help them, you know, mitigate the risk. And then you've got to use other tools. There's again, there's no silver bullet. The telematics, the locks, the driver training, um, and then you know vetting process. I I'm not an expert in in carrier vetting when it comes to you know the brokerage on the on the intermediary side of the business. They've got algorithms built in their systems that look for look for all these kind of uh, 
things that don't make sense to them, to their algorithms or the basically the history of the carrier they've dealt with before. Those are your those are your best in class. The smaller ones that don't have those tools, you know, pick up the phone and call. I can't tell you how many times I've worked one of these fictitious pickups where somebody has their, you know, they said, well, this guy picked up this load, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's the, the guy just disappeared with the load. And I said, well, what's, the, what's their home base address? And I Google the address and it's, it's an empty field somewhere with a mailbox, you know, <laughs> or it's, a, it's a, the guy says he took it back to his terminal and his is his terminal address. And I Google that and it's a mailbox, you know, postal deal. So the, some of the little things like that, Google's, you know, go, you know, do these things, run the, or just run the person's name through Google and see what comes up. A lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll do that and I'll find out, you know, there's something up on, you mentioned freight guard. Uh, so I don't have to be the one to throw it out or carry a uh, carrier 411 or TIA watchdog or those type of things, uh, or call me, you know, call me up and I'll, I'll help you. You may not be a member of mine, but you know, I'll listen to you and maybe there's something we can do to help you or, or run, bounce something off me. Uh, we'll I be love happy. The, to- I love I love the fake names that uh, these companies use. Like we, we had one yesterday that uh, kind of went around our social circle and what was the name? Um, it was Karen Keith. Yeah. Like that. The last name was uh, Armenian, but the first middle name was Karen Keith. And it's like, you just immediately know that's gotta be fake, you know? Well, since you brought that up, I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> We're truck drivers with big mouths. We'll, 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 we'll step in those potholes for you. Okay. So I'm not going to touch the, the, the ethnic thing, but here's what I'll say. Typically the scams I've worked, let's say you've got a person with a heavy, heavy accent and they're using a name like um, Jordan Martin. It's not making sense. But the other thing is you can, you, what I look for is two names that can be interchanged. Like the old expression, never trust a guy. Back in the 60s, they used to say, never trust a guy with two first names, right? It was. Like I have three this. first names. Uh-oh. Right. So, so do I. <laughs> I have three first names and three last names, right? So I'm, I, should be on a, I should be on some watch list somewhere. But, <laughs> but, um, but look, for the, look for the names that are interchangeable, right? So here's why they do that. Because if I forget what name I used, I can just say, this is Martin. And you say, oh, it's mm-hmm. Mr. Martin. Or I know Martin was my first name and Jordan, whatever, right? So the other thing is Google text numbers. Um, A lot of the scams right now I'm seeing that I see are, you know, where it's the, the, whatever it is where you got to call and give your name and then whatever. I don't know how this stuff works, but you know, those type of things, a legitimate carrier is going to have a phone or an iPhone or an Android phone or somewhere you can call a landline uh, a number you can call that that the exchange on the phone number matches the address that the carrier is giving you for their home base or similar. Yeah, Some phone spoofing is yeah spoofing is a big problem right now. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, the telecarriers do not want to tackle it. I don't know if it's just too much of a headache on their end, or the problem would be too expensive to fix it than it's costing them right now. But I see it all the time. So I live in the north. I'm in New Jersey right now, but my cell phone number is an Indiana area code. And so I know if I ever get a phone call from an Indiana phone number, just block it. It's, I don't know anyone from there. <laughs> I was just in Indiana when I bought the phone. So that's why I have an Indiana phone number. Sure. Sure. So, but I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get a call from somebody all the time from that, from that number and I won't answer it, but then I'll get text messages from people angrily that live in Indiana saying, Hey, stop calling me, stop calling me. And I'm like, I haven't called you, man. I don't even know you. So scammers are spoofing my number and their numbers back and forth. Sure. Going back to talking about the business emails and all with the, you know, the at Gmails, the at Hotmails, at Yahoo's. Uh, one of the things I tell people when they want to start a go from company driver to being owner operator is you know, properly set up your company. Get a proper business email. It doesn't cost that much. Get a Dunn's number. You know, put yourself into the Dunn and Bradstreet system. You know, talking about the uh, car- that carrier yesterday that was uh, that you know, that was going around. Uh, you know, first thing I know, put their name in Safer. Uh, see what came up there. Uh, put their name in DOT report. DOT report was almost completely blank except for the name and address. There was no background information on this guy. And you know, supposedly he's got a trucking company. You know, they they can fool some of the federal government, but you know, if they set up their 
business properly, you know, there's going to be all the checks and all the boxes will be checked. You just may have to go through two or three steps to find it, you know? Uh, well, uh, just to kind of couch off what you said, there's no regulation. You know, we live in a deregulated world. When you deregulate, you take away the oversight. And that's what happened in 1981. So when they deregulated, the oversight went away. In my day, the DOT and the ICC, two different uh, groups there, drove around with cars with lights and sirens and carried guns and pulled you over. And if your paperwork didn't match up or something wasn't fishy, you went to jail. So when they deregulated, there went the guns and badges. So what, what they did, it, it lowered the cost of transportation, which is good. It, it made it more competitive. Otherwise, we'd, we'd be living a, a horrible supply chain scenario right now if they didn't do that. Eventually, it would have. But um, so it's put the it's put the burden back on us as consumers and as business owners and business operators to do that work that the federal government didn't do. And that's so key that that we have the tools now to do it. Just what we're talking about right now: an internet search, a safer search, a carrier four one one, a watchdog, a freight guard. You know those type of things. What we do at CargoNet, you know, we take in all the theft data. And we, our, 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 our providers to us are the insurance industry, law enforcement, uh, folks like the truckload carriers, the intermediaries, the brokers, um, and drivers report thefts to us too. Uh, and we, we take in all these thefts. We take this data in, we aggregate it. We tell people where the risks are. We put the dots on the map. I'm looking at a heat map right now with the dots on it. And you can get a copy of this uh, from Allie if you'd like. What I'm looking at right now, if you had any questions on data or numbers, we'll be happy to provide those. I pulled a report for you just in case you needed it. Um, and you can look at these things and you kind of like, okay, it's like you, can, you can't avoid bad weather, right? Nobody shuts down the shipping lanes because of bad weather. But you, you're not going to shut down the shipping lane because driving through, say, you know, pick Memphis because everybody knows that's a bad area. You're not going to avoid Memphis. You can't drive around Memphis and go to the northern route through I-80 because that's going to take you through Chicago, which is even probably just as risky. So what you would do is you don't stop the truck in Memphis. You can you stop the truck 50, 60 miles before you get there, or 50, 60 miles after you go through, and you use common sense. And basically, guys, this is all common sense stuff. It, there's there's nothing high tech about what I just said. And if you do simple things like that, look at the data, look at where the thefts are and avoid those areas. You can't stop from driving through because, you know, at whatever cost, of, what's the cost per mile now? About four bucks with fuel, four bucks a mile with yeah. operating vehicles. It's getting right? up there. So, right. So in my day, it was a buck a mile. So now it's probably four bucks a mile of diesel fuel. That would probably make sense, about four bucks a mile. So, um, so your operating cost to go around that area it's not, it's, it's not economical to do it. So just don't stop in that area. You mentioned deregulation earlier, speaking as a former federal employee myself, I wouldn't other, other than figuring out, um, you know, catching and punishing these guys and holding them accountable when they get caught. I really wouldn't trust the government to regulate any of this kind of stuff, because like you said, you, you can Google search stuff immediately right now versus if, if this had to go through like a federal government channel, it would take you weeks and months to find out who these guys were. So, you know, it's not a perfect system, but it's the best we got here right now. Um, speaking of these like hot spots, have the bad spots always typically been the bad spots or do we see like shifts over time? Like, can you give us a list of like current places that are uh, places to avoid versus, you know, what would have been the case five, 10 years ago when I was on the road? Sure. Uh, so, so I'll tell you a funny story. So when I was with the, with the Georgia Bureau investigation, I came across a report, a cargo theft report that was done for President Ford back in the day. Mm. We have it. It's in the, it's in, it's somewhere still at the Bureau. I looked at it and I read through it. And the only thing that looked different than the cargo theft report now is it wasn't in color and the graphs weren't as nice because we didn't have uh, PowerPoint. So I can tell you this, not much has changed, right? Because your shipping lanes have always been your shipping lanes. You know, I-57 has been there since probably before I was born. You know, I-80 has always been there since, you know, they, I-40 and 44 and all these routes have been there. The truck stops, the gateway in St. Louis, they've always been there. So your locations 
have always changed. Now, what, what has changed a little is, you know, say, for example, the Inland Empire uh, in California, the technology, some of those things have forced changes because now we're building out, right? We're building east from L.A. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're moving a little, but it's still the same kind of pattern. It's coming out of the port, but there's nowhere to build now in Long Beach. So you're moving, you know, farther east. So some of those things have changed a little, but not much. The other big thing has changed is the type of commodities. Back in my day, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms and, and you know, uh, televisions were the big thing to steal. So um, those things were heavy now, back then. How, how, how hard was it to boost at a trailer full of TVs? Uh, well, they would boot, they would, they would take them. They would take the whole trailer, you know, and this is going back <laughs> to the days of where they pull the driver out of the truck, you know? So, <laughs> you know, whether they would steal an unattended trailer. Right. So, um, but it didn't matter. They were still a hot commodity. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's the, we still have the elect, we still have the electronics demand right now, like we did back in the old days, but it costs more and there's more of a variety Back in the when this report was done for the President Ford, we didn't have hard drives and computer chips to steal. Well, the hard drive was also probably the size of a briefcase. Yep. yep. <laughs> and now they now they're smaller than they uh, your fingernail on your pinky. Yep, that is true. Going in, yeah, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about insurance. Like going into insurance, uh, how how many times are you seeing loads getting stolen, not having the proper amount of insurance on the load? All the time all the time. And <laughs> so, you know, or there's an exclusion, right? So there's, yeah, there's not having enough coverage. There's a, there's an issue of not having enough coverage for the load. And then there's an ex issue of, of an exclusion for a certain type of commodity. And again, it gets back to vetting of, well, I had to get this load moving. I took a chance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we could talk for another hour on insurance issues. So you've got um, contingent cargo. A lot of people think they're covered carte blanche because they have condition, contingent cargo insurance. Well, I've got a contingent. Well, your contingent is based on that original insurance. So if that person doesn't have insurance for that commodity, your, con your contingent will not pick up. You can buy a separate trip policy for that commodity mm -hmm. or increase your, your coverage for that particular lane, that route, that day, that time. You can buy, they used to call it trip insurance. I don't know what they call it now, but it happens all the time. And a lot of times that, that carrier's insurance or the broker's insurance doesn't pay off. And that cost falls back on the shipper, the manufacturer. And then who do you think pays that ultimate cost? You and me. That yep. is correct. We pay at the pump. My wife works at insurance. And when we had that story about the Brinks truck that was robbed and had all the jewelry in it, um, I told her like how much coverage they had on that load. And she was like apoplectic. She's like, how do you not have enough <laughs> coverage like that? And I said, well, part of it is, you know, one, the cost, they don't want to pay that. And two, it's, well, it's, it's, it's Brinks. Of course it's Brinks. You know, our, our stuff is always safe with Brinks. What's going to happen with Brinks? And uh, well, now you see. Lo and behold. Well, you know, a lot of the a lot of times the shipper manufacturer will take out their own policy uh, just to cover it. You know, they will or the if it's if it's collect shipment, you know, FOB, you know, freight on board, you know, the receiver will take out a policy. So the, the carrier, a lot of times we'll all get up, you know, we'll all start handwringing because the carrier didn't have enough insurance. And then as we un unpeel the onion, you know, and the onion, you know, and you cry more when you unpeel the onion, you'll discover maybe there's a silver lining. There's a silver lining somewhere that somebody somewhere had a had a policy on this that will cover it. Kind of like your homeowner's insurance. If your dog bites somebody down the street, you know, you get yeah. up when you get the lawsuit and then you find out your homeowner's insurance is going to cover you. And then they're going to put an exclusion on you for your dog and uh, not pay any more claims. So, you know, uh, those those things do happen. Yeah, but I believe with this case with the jewelry heist it was um it wasn't like one big customer in the truck it was like lots of tiny little pickups so like each each one of those bags was like a different different store i believe rooster you probably know more about the details than i do uh yeah so um it's, right and, and i'm not shipping something i'm not going to ship a million bucks worth of jewelry with anyone unless i take out my own umbrella policy on it mm-hmm 
Well, so like when I was in the postal service, there's, you know, you got first class mail, next day express, and then registered mail. And you would be surprised how much stuff people send through registered mail um, for very, very cheap. I mean, you're talking whole boxes full of, you know, gold bullion and stuff for very, very little cost. But again, it's through the postal service. So, you know, these trucks aren't typically uh, uh, broken into or pilfered because now you're talking federal crime and these guys are very uh, risk averse. Yep. Um, Well, they think they think it's a federal crime. It is, but that's a whole other hour talk. I know some of the loads I had to pull, uh, you know, we had the basic, you know, uh, the bobtail insurance. We had the basic uh, laden trailer insurance. And uh, I know uh, I had to go out to Reno, Nevada, pick up a load of Samsung televisions. You know, that's over a million dollar load. I had to you know, take out the extra insurance policy to cover that. Uh, had to go out the port of Seattle, pick up a load of solar panels, bring them across the country to a solar farm to build over in Georgia. I don't even want to remember how much I paid that load on it. Just the insurance, just the trip rider to take that load across, you know, because, you know, solar panels is a high theft load. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're covered there. Cause last thing I want to do is, you know, stop for a night somewhere, wake up, you know, open up the trailer and know half the load's gone. And now I'm having, I'm on the hook for God knows how much. So, you know, it, having proper insurance, like one of the big things people should think about, you know, it's, you know, really don't want to get away with uh, having minimal coverage like you do on your car. You want to make sure your everything is covered up to and a little bit beyond what you're hauling. Sure. Sure. And uh, that's a really good point with the solar panels because we're seeing everybody's electric uh, bills increase. So now at least like where I'm at in Jersey, everybody's getting solar panels right now because of the, you know, the electric bills just keep going up and up. Um, what are the commodities? And so like, so we have solar thefts on the rise, meat thefts on the rise, Electronics on the rise. Are there any other commodities that we're not we haven't mentioned yet that we were we're seeing a a, a spike in right now? Vehicles and uh, accessories, car parts, accessories, parts, and the like. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, the catalytic converters and all that. Well, no, not really. That's a that's a theft. That's not a cargo theft typically. Mm. That's going to be you know at the uh, at the uh, down at the uh, plumbing supply place. They're going to go in and grab all the catalytic catalytics off the off the vehicles of their commercial vehicles et cetera there or stealing them out of a driveway at someone's house what we're seeing now is we're seeing with the cost of new cars if you can get a new car skyrocketing mm-hmm. so that's one issue there that's that's vehicle thefts from car haulers are up so another piece of that is i, I can't go in and pay a $5,000 market surcharge for a new uh, car. So I'm going to keep my five-year-old car, but it needs uh, an alternator. It needs this. It needs a new air, con- air conditioner. Comp- it needs a lot of components. So I'm going to drop a couple grand uh, and take it down to the local shop and have it fixed where I normally would have sold it or traded it in, or, or I would have given it to my teenage teenager to drive. And I don't really care if the air conditioner works for my teenager. For example, I had, I had that car. Yeah, exactly. We've all had that car. Or the radio doesn't work. So, you know, the, the component parts, wherever they're made, and I'm not going to make any inferences there, but the component parts, because of the supply chain issues, the aftermarket part issue has gone up and they're harder to source and harder to get. Walk into the auto parts store and ask for an AC compressor and compare it to what that same AC compressor cost five years ago. So the, oh, yeah. so, the, so the demand for those parts, wheels, tires, uh, automotive accessories, parts, new cars, all of that has, has gone up, skyrocketed. So that's the trend we're seeing. We still see the household goods clicking at number one. Electronics is number two. Food and beverage, what used to be number one, is now number three. Now, we're not talking value. We're talking thefts, right? Uh, and then we got other mixed FAK, you know, coming in after that and vehicle accessories, building materials. What's going to happen now with what happened in Florida with building materials? You want my, do you want my yeah. prediction? Sure. That's will go up with building materials, shingles, building supplies, uh, everything right. to do with rebuilding Florida, bottled water. You're going to see heavy equipment stolen in the Midwest and the Northwest. And, and for example, skid steers, bulldozers, uh, boom trucks, lifts, all that stuff is going to start being stolen off job sites throughout the country. And it's going to wind up in Florida working on job sites down there. And then when they're done fixing Florida, 
the contract or whoever stole those items will just leave them down there and abandon them. And that happens. Yeah. We see that all the time with the hurricane issue. So that's my prediction. And I, I think, I think you can take that one to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived down in Florida during the hurricane seasons plenty of times. And I, I would see that all the time. I think it was Francis. We lost power for about two weeks. Uh, I was in West Palm Beach County, Florida. And first two nights, you know, the weather was nice. So that's, that's always a plus. But then after like three, four, five, six nights, it starts getting real scary down there because now all the food and everybody's fridges are spoiled. Um, you see a lot of like sketchy guys driving around looking at stuff. You know, if you've got a generator out in your driveway running, that thing's going to be gone if you're not looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it turns into the Wild West real quick. After about a week, um, it, it, it starts does. getting real scary down there. Yes, it does. Uh, one last topic. It was something uh, we talked about yesterday. Justin brought it up. Uh, trusted transporters. Uh, we see this a lot. Mega carriers bring in these new recruits right off the street, and the first thing we see them do is they're you know they're pulling multi million dollar loads, uh, high theft, high targetable loads, and you know really they're just giving a, a brief safety set, a, a couple pages in a in a rules and regulations company regulation book they'll never read again. Uh, is is it wise for these mega carriers, these large enterprise carriers? to just give a brand new green recruit, you know, these high value, high theft loads. And, you know, is, is this a problem you see, Keith? You know, and I agree with you And some of this, I can't give you my personal opinion on this because we'd be on the phone for an hour and there'd be a lot of bad words <laughs> that I would say. But I'll tell you this from, from working for truckload carriers back in the early eighties, nothing's changed. I worked for mm-hmm. a truckload carrier, 83, 384. Uh, and um, we were hiring them right out of truck driving school. And uh, because we couldn't get drivers back then, there's been a driver shortage since the early 80s. Since deregulation, we've seen a driver shortage. When the wages go down, we're going to see a driver shortage. Now, we're still seeing a driver shortage. The wages are up, but they're not up where they should be for the type of work. And I don't have to tell you, you, you know, James, you you know how tough it is to live on the road. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's a tough life. And um, so it's, I take what I can get right. And uh, in the, in the, in the companies like you guys worked for the, you know, Justin, you know, you worked for another best in class company and James, you did too, you know, in their special commodities division, your high value, the, the more senior drivers and back in the day, probably trusted drivers would get the high value loads, which obviously probably paid more, uh, had more prestige to them. And things like that, but now we're so short on on the uh, on the driver end and finding trucks. What's the difference when? What's the difference with putting somebody right out of the truck driving school in a truck with a million dollar load, or putting that million dollar load on a load board and not knowing who's going to haul it? So flip the coin there, right? It's equally risky on both sides. I don't know who's going to haul it, or I've got somebody that's going to haul it, and they're right out of truck driving school, and they, you know, they. They, they, they looked at the cover of the, the company policy and signed a document, right? That, that they agree to all the terms and the safety regulations. I, 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 I don't have an answer, but that's been around for a long time. And with the, the, the surge with load boards and things like that, it, it's just made it worse. Where I ask, and back in, even in my law enforcement days, what's the truck driver's name? Well, I know his first name. What's the VIN number on the truck? Well, I, I know the truck number. Well, you can't put a truck number on NCIC and I'm not going to put a bolo out on a truck number. That's not going to happen yeah. as a law enforcement officer. I'm not going to do it. I'll do it at CargoNet, but I won't, I would never do it uh, in law enforcement. It's a white trailer. Oh, that white trailer, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, that narrows it down. Yeah, you know, I'll sit out on the interstate all night long and look for it. So um, to answer your question, there's no, there's no silver bullet here. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a tough one. And, and carriers are just in demand for drivers. And like I said, the most qualified person to haul that load is the next driver that walks in the dispatch office. Keith, uh, how can people get in touch with you and uh, the fine people over at CargoNet? You can, if you, I'll, I'll just say, if you want to report a theft to us, you can report it as at cargo theft at cargonet.com. You can do that. Um, they can, uh, they can reach out to me by email. It's Lewis at cargonet.com or keith.lewis at cargonet.com. They can reach out to us like that. And uh, I have an 800 number that you can contact our operations center. 
If you want to report a cargo theft or any suspicious activity, or say a driver is being followed by someone suspicious, you can call us at 888-595-2638. 888-595-2638. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm James Rooster Bowen here with Justin Martin and Keith from Cargonet, and we will catch you guys down the road. Mm-hmm.